0: everyone. So glad to see you. You may have a seat. So great to see everyone. I see some new faces, so welcome. Uh, If you haven't been here long, we're glad to have you. If it's your first time, we are thrilled to have you here. Give us a chance to get to know you a little bit. Uh, If you don't receive our information, uh, please go to crosswoodchristianchurch.com. That's our website. Scroll all the way down. You'll see a small, short, easy contact form. You fill that out, give us some really basic information, uh, we'll have an opportunity to be in touch with you. And I really want to encourage you to do that. I know LV works really hard, along with several of you, to put our newsletter together, for example, that goes out on Saturday evenings. Really great stuff there. Uh, gives you a chance to get to know what's going on at our church, Gets to, gives you a chance to know people through some of the writings that you find there, um, and, and I just find it to be a, a big blessing. Uh, so... Make sure if, if you don't, I, I, I talk to some of you sometimes, you're like, I don't receive those emails or I don't get those texts. Um, so we want to fix that. Let us know. Send us an email. Make sure that we got your info right so that you could uh, receive all that information. So, But welcome. For those of you joining us online, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, we're happy to have you. Reach out to us, too. I, I'm always encouraged, and so is our AV team, to know that you're watching. I know there's a lot of you watching, but we don't always know who you are. And anytime we, we find out that, you know, we, we're able to put a face to, to those numbers that we see in our analytics, uh, it's, it's always a blessing. So I uh, appreciate you guys joining us. And as soon as you're able and ready, we'd love to have you join us, and uh, we could worship together, lift up our voices, and get to know each other better. But welcome. Let me mention a couple of uh, announcements that, again, if you get the newsletter, you would know a lot about a lot of these. So I don't want to elaborate too much on them, but I do want to make sure that we all know what's happening. Tonight, we're really excited. I announced this probably maybe two, three months ago for the first time. We're going to have a couple's dinner, a couple's get-together. We said, you know, it's not going to be until August 15, and then whoop, here it is, you know, August 15. So I see all the men really nervous. All right. Everybody got their hair cut, ready to row. We're going to take pictures today. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a dinner. Uh, We have a guest speaker coming in. And uh, we hope that it'll be encouraging to everyone. Uh, We said it'd be great to have about 40, 50 couples. Last I checked, we have exactly 40, 41 couples signed up. So there'll be at least 82 of us here. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing some of you are thinking like, oh, my goodness, it's today. You know, if That's you. Come see me. We may be able to get you in for a little late fee. I'm kidding, no late fees, but we'll, we'll be able to get you in most likely. If you're thinking, you know what, uh, that's not an event for me, but I would love to help, there's plenty for you to uh, do. I know we have childcare going on, and so we need several adults, maybe some young adults and even some, some youth to help us with that. Uh, there's, serv- there's all kinds of, of good stuff happening. But you should know, during the break, we're going to have it here. And so during the break, after the English service, uh, especially, or anybody, especially guys, but anyone who wants to help, we're going to bring a bunch of tables over, set, start setting some things up. And uh, if you could help us with that, that'll be great. You can see Marco Pena Jr., the third, Marco Pena III, and, um, and he'll guide you. And then also after the Spanish service, that's around 11.30, we're not gonna have a regular breakdown of things and put away, but it's gonna be modified and we'll be setting things up. So if, if you can help us with that, that'll be great. And then after our, our, uh, our event, we'll, we'll have the guys, once they're all inspired, ready to show off and impress their wives, you know, how strong they are, how they can lift two tables with one hand, we'll, we'll, we'll put everything away. All right, that's the deal. So looking forward to it. Very excited! Thank God, it's, you know the day is here, and and a lot of you, uh, most of you, have responded well by signing up and being ready to come and join us tonight. If you're not able to join us to this one, I'm sure we, we plan on having more in the future. So that's tonight. Um, next Saturday, a week from yesterday, we're gonna have a men's stake and study. That's gonna happen in my house. We're looking forward to it. And that's, that should be a lot of fun and very edifying, spiritually edifying, all right? Spiritually edifying. It's not just going to be about the stakes. We're going to have a study. We're going to have a great time, kind of build each other up. That's at uh, my place. Everything's online, so take a look. You can sign up. You can pay for it there. It's $10. That's not even going to cover your ribeye, but we want to make sure you commit to it and, and tell us you're coming. I'm excited because today is the first Sunday that we're going to be having our, uh, the, the ministries that we plan on collaborating with. Today is uh, My Safe Harbor is here. I'm really excited about that. They're going to take the stage in about in a couple of minutes, and they're going to basically tell us who they are, what they're about, and how we can work together. And as I've told you, we're going to have about 12 ministries. Some of them are our own ministries. Many of them are are our ministries from around this community and even around the world. Uh, things that we want ministries that we want to collaborate. We acknowledge that they're doing some great work for the kingdom and we want to say, hey, we want to support you, we want to encourage you, we want to work together with you. And that helps us be more mission-minded and more having more of a servant attitude and giving you opportunities to connect. It's it's your job to find out what it is that God has for you why he has you here in his kingdom at this time, and we just want to help you, guide and give you opportunities to serve. And seeing what what, uh, God's people are doing should be encouraging, and and if you get that tug of saying, like, you know what, that's a ministry that I really want to uh, support. As a church, we're going to be doing a monthly contribution to them, but I would encourage you to consider doing the same individually. Um, I know Jeff and Jessica... Once they, once they present, they're going to be at uh, the portico. There's, gonna, there's a table there with literature. So if you have questions, and I would encourage you, go talk to them. They're great people. I'm sure you're going to have questions. Uh, go talk to them. Ask them questions. See what they're about. And again, if, if you feel that the Lord would lead you to either volunteer or, or contribute financially to them, that would be great. That's, that's the idea. All right? So we're excited. All right. Well, I should have used that as the intro, so Jeff, would you get ready? Uh-huh. All, right. There he is. All right, so Jeff, I'm sure, will introduce himself. I just want to, uh, I've known Jeff for, for several years, you'll, you'll see why. Many of you know him and his very famous wife here this morning, uh, so you, they're, they're familiar to us, so I'm going to turn it over to him and just let him present my safe harbor to you. Would you welcome Jeff? Thank you.
1: Thanks a lot, Mike. It's so nice to be with you all, and if you didn't catch Mike's message, read your newsletter. Otherwise, he's going to come to your door and read it out loud, and your neighbors are going to be weirded out by what kind of church you go to. And also, Mike, if you could send me your address for the steak night. Visitors welcome. All right. That's awesome. Uh, You mentioned uh, my famous wife, um, Jessica Alberg, who used to be Jessica Doolittle. Uh, Her parents want to keep calling her Jessica Doolittle, but it's not going to be that way anymore. It's been 14 years, guys. Come on. But the great thing about it is this is one of your own, birthed out of this church, inspired out of this church. She became a social worker from the people she knew at this church. She's helping to run and has been the longest at My Safe Harbor because of this church. So there's young people out there kind of trying to figure out, man, what does God have for me? pay attention. It might be that same thing. Because now, from a little girl coming to church, trying to find out what's going on with God and what, what, what he wants her to do, she's now running a, a nonprofit um, and doing an amazing job. So, a little bragging. Uh. Okay, so My Safe Harbor, who we are. Let's go ahead and get that first one up there. And I'm gonna kind of go through some points with you guys to, to inspire you to, to volunteer and get involved, but also to encourage you that the kingdom of God is alive and well, uh, and it's growing, and the church is growing, and, and God is doing big things. So My Safe Harbor, uh, we've been serving families in North Orange County uh, for over 12 years. We're located um, in downtown Anaheim, just over the five freeway from Disneyland. Uh, we're a faith-based nonprofit that believes that any gains we as humans make can only be sustained through a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, and, and His Church. We believe that the answer to the problems facing our neighborhood today is strong families. Since uh, more than 20% of the families surrounding My Safe Harbor are female head of household, My Safe Harbor's strategy, of course, is to engage mothers. Mothers are the culture creators in the families, and we believe you change a mom, you change an entire family. Change an entire family, you change an entire community. So our mission, um, My Safe Harbor's mission is to strengthen families by empowering and equipping mothers. We empower mothers uh, by creating a safe, encouraging space for them to learn and grow. We have three main programs. We have our Mother's Club, which is a threshold program where any mom can come in, drop their kids off. Did you hear me say that? Drop their kids off, which is huge. They come in and they can talk to other moms and for the first time maybe find out that wow, my kids aren't the craziest. Or wow, I'm not the only mom who's struggling with this. And that community, that coming together with other moms does an amazing thing. The second opportunity we have is electives, just life skills, everything from sewing to cooking uh, to parenting classes, uh, things that can really engage moms to give them a tangible tool. And the last uh, program we have is called the Strong Families Institute, and that's a 30 week commitment. And these moms that are grinding through this, um, they're in a lot of ways stripped down from all the things and all the negative things they've been told their whole life and built back up. Built back up with the idea and the design of what, what, what God has for them. And the crazy thing is when, they, when these ladies graduate from this class, they're unstoppable. In fact, we have a, a school that's right next to us. All of their PTA members are all graduates of the Strong Families Institute. These moms are taking the, the world by fire. We empower moms by cheering them on, walking alongside of them for the long haul, and challenging them to continually move forward. We empower mothers by letting them know that God is for them and not against them. We empower mothers by telling them the truth that they can only change themselves, but when they do the hard work of life change, people and circumstances they've blamed in the past for their setbacks begin to change as well. We equip mothers with strategies for self-care and balance. We equip mothers with the tools for healthy relationships. We equip with techniques and best practices for health and effective, healthy and effective parenting. We equip mothers by helping them know their rights and how to set healthy boundaries. We equip with tools and strategies that create a peaceful, loving home. And we equip by teaching them that these newfound strategies are directly from the Bible and that they can find the power and the support to sustain their growth in the local church. That brings us to the church. That brings us to you, to us, to the church. We're not created to be alone. We were made to be together. And when you discover you're not alone, you find strength and encouragement in that. In community, our sorrows are lessened and our victories are amplified. Strong families reflect strong, healthy, and active churches. As the family deteriorates, so will the church, and vice versa. God has called us to look out for the widows and children. The church can simply, uh, can simply just cheer on our communities. We know a life many are looking for. And, and, and catch this. Since the beginning of man, there has been a virus that has killed more humans than COVID and all other viruses combined. And guess what, we have the vaccine, it's free. Imagine if we shared the perils of sin and Christ as the eternal vaccine, as passionately and compassionately as we have about our current situation. The church would grow like wildfire. And then last thing, here's some opportunities we have to serve that I wanna present you with. Childcare is a big thing. That first thing about being able to drop your kid off and have a little chance to breathe, We need people that love kids and that love on kids. We need mentors, other moms that have gone over that hill, that have made that journey, uh, that have had those scars of war, that can encourage other moms. It's worth it. Man, it's so easy to keep walking, to reach the top of the mountain, when somebody who's already done it says, it is so worth it. We need help with events that we try to pull off, both community events, fundraising events, uh, we have a graduation that we do after our, our Strong Families Institute, where these ladies get to graduate, and some, it's their very first graduation, but it's so powerful. The church is packed with families, so proud of their mom for this huge accomplishment. We have office work, clerical work that we have, data entry, all those really fun, inspiring things. <laughs> uh, handyman, just, uh, we have our facility, and it's an older facility, so it always needs something to do. Teaching. Teaching. Again, we have opportunities to teach, whether that's an elective. Maybe you are really good at something, an expert at something, and would love to impart that knowledge to a mom who could use that as well. It's a great opportunity. Praying. We need people praying for the families, for the organization constantly, because these families are up against a lot. As you know, prayer is huge. Encouragement. Maybe you're excited about writing cards to these families uh, coming once in a while to just say, hey, you're doing a great job. That's another opportunity that, that, to connect. Also translation, uh, but given the fact that our community is almost 90% Hispanic, we need people that can speak both languages to be able to effectively, uh, effectively communicate what we do. And so if you are bilingual and have a heart for translation, not only can you do that live translating for classes, but even the curriculum that we have and the, the, um, the stuff that we put out, everything we do, Is bilingual and lastly is become a staff member become a job maybe you're looking to get out of the work you're already doing or looking for a job in general that you want to feel really good about doing there we have some great opportunities so right after the service um, like Pastor Mike said we'll be right outside answering any questions we hope that you're inspired God is doing huge things just down the street imagine what you guys are doing here amplified with what we're doing in Anaheim coming together it's gonna blow you away. So thank you for your time. I'm so impressed by the work you're doing here in Whittier. Uh, Be encouraged. Have a good one.
0: Jeff, thank you. We are excited. I know that um, there is a banquet coming up at the end of this month that we want to help with and volunteer for. And so if that's something that you wanna say, hey, this is a one-time event, I wanna go help, serve. We're looking about, for about 12, about 12 of you that wanna say, hey, I'll, 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 uh, I'll volunteer. I wanna go and just support, help, check out the place, see what they're doing, and maybe that'll lead to, to something more. So if, if that interests you, I believe it's August 28th. It's the last Saturday of, of, of this month. Uh, it's a banquet that we can go, support, help, uh, help run and... and, and um, I think that'll be a great opportunity, like a great starter event for us to collaborate. Uh, so, you want to see Keith Doolittle during the break? Sign up for that. We need about 12 of you and, um, and see. We're just excited to see what the Lord has for us. That collaboration uh, with MySafe Harbor and other ministries, I think, is going to be transformative for us. Not just as a church, but it'll be transformative as a church if it transforms you because you are the church. So,. I'm gonna pray for. Well, let's let's take communion. So if you if you walked in and you grabbed one of these, if you didn't, raise your hand and Jason will come around. And um, I don't know why I just had this imagery of like Dodger Stadium with the you know. Throw, let's not do that. Let's not do that. But just keep your, keep your hand up and we'll. Uh, We'll come by and get one for you. In the meantime, I want to take take a look at first John chapter four verse ten as a means to just kind of get us ready for for us to take communion. First John four ten. Take a look at this wonderful verse. So 1 John 4.10 says in my New King James Version here, it says, um, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now you might be thinking like propiti what? Propitiation? I don't know when's the last time you used that word. But if you take a look, and I want to kind of little plug for maybe different Bible versions that are very helpful when you're studying and reading. But if you take a look at the NIV, it gives you a little bit different. NLT, the New Living Translation, says this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, that doesn't quite explain propitiation. And propitiation is a very important word, very important term. But it basically says that. God sent his only son to be the appeasement, the atonement, the sacrifice, the payment for our sins. And so as Christians, that is central to who we are. And and when we take communion together, we celebrate the fact that what binds us is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that he is what appeases God the Father. And what he did at the cross specifically is what appeases God's got the Father's uh, towards our sin. And that's super important. There's a lot of implications to that. I don't want to get into that, but it's, it's nothing that we do. It's only what Christ did for us on our behalf at the cross of Calvary that allows us to have a relationship with Him and with one another. And it's all out of love. And so I'll read it again, then we'll take it. It says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us, And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And he did that. Our Lord did that by taking our place at the cross. And this bread, as you peel back the first layer there, is a representation of the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given up on our behalf. Let's take that together. And this Jews represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf some 2,000 years ago. The precious, perfect blood of Christ that is able to forgive us and wash away our sins. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you on this beautiful morning. Thank you for everyone who's here, everyone who is uh, joining us online. We're grateful to have the opportunity to take communion together here as we gather, to celebrate, to remember, and to proclaim your love towards us, this indescribable love that we sang about earlier, that you would send your only begotten Son to take our place at the painful and shameful cross of Calvary. We are eternally grateful for that. We ask for your blessing on My Safe Harbor. What a blessing it is for us to be able to collaborate with with such a ministry with people that are all concerned about your kingdom and your glory. We pray that you would bless this union, this collaboration, that you would raise many people as you did, Jessica, out of this congregation with the vision to help and to serve in your kingdom. We thank you for Jeff, for his mom, and for everyone who's part of My Safe Harbor. We ask for your protection and your blessing upon them, Father. They will continue to bless many through their ministry. And that we would be a part of that is an honor and a privilege. We ask that you would lead us this morning, guide us, as the, your word goes out, we pray that it would transform us ever more to be more like your son. We thank you, we ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and loving Savior. Amen. All right, beloved. Let's get right to it. You know, the last four weeks or so we've been talking about the work in, in God's kingdom what the work is, what it should look like. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Martha, right, Mary and Lazarus' sister and how she got all caught up in serving and uh, forgot about the most important thing and we talked about the dangers while serving. So today what I want to talk about is the title of this morning's message is A Church with Living Faith. A Church with Living Faith. And let me just say it now. My hope and our mission as elders and leadership in this church, and all of our mission should be a ch- that we would be a church with living faith. And I'm going to read from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. A church with living faith. And what does that look like is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Now, in order to get ready for that, let me go back one chapter in James 1, 22, We're going to use this verse as a key verse to launch us into our, our message. And I think it's key for... This this 122 is key for the entire letter of James. James is a very interesting letter. I highly encourage you to read the whole thing, but James to put it mildly is very concerned with people in the church that are claiming to be Christians but they have nothing to show for it. And he's saying that's very problematic. If you claim to be a Christian, there should be some kind of transformation from the inside out. None of this pretending or trying really hard to be different. But in fact, you being a new creation and having new dreams, new goals, new aspirations in life because you're a new person. That's evidence that you have living faith. And so James one twenty-two says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceiving yourselves. Do what it says. That might be the NLT version. Maybe the NIV. Whatever you have is good. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Right from the onset, James says, if you are somebody that claims to be a Christian, goes to church, listens to Christian radio, listens to worship music, but... The only thing that is happening is you're just receiving information, you're learning new things about God in the Bible, but then it never comes out of you, or you never apply yourself, or you never find yourself actually doing what it says. James says you're deceiving yourselves. Self-deception is a real thing, and it's a big problem in the church. People in the church believing they are Christians and having nothing to show for it. I remember being a young person at youth group many, many years ago, and somebody saying something like this. If you were accused of being a Christian, and they took you to court, and the the accusation was you're a Christian, the question would be, is there enough evidence to convict you? You know, if somebody was accusing you of being a Christian, and somebody said, how do you know he's a Christian? Well... All he says he's a Christian. I don't know. Is that it? He goes to church. I've seen him, you know, carrying a Bible under his arm every once in a while. Yeah, but he yells at his wife all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah but that's different. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? I think that's an interesting thought. James says, do not settle for just hearing the word of God. And look, that happens to all of us. We go to church and it's like, ooh, that was really good. The pastor was on fire today. I don't know what that means. Don't, don't, don't say stuff like that. You know, Michael, Mike was really on today. Uh, you were really on. I'm always on. I'm always teaching the word. Don't insult the word that way. If the, if the word is being preached, that's your concern. Never mind the speaker. Never mind the, the person that God is using. So... We hear something, and it sounds really good, and you're thinking like, man, yeah, I want to do that. I want to support my safe harbor. They're doing great work. And then, and then five minutes before the end of the message, your stomach starts to growl, and you're thinking like, man, I got to get out of here. I'm hungry, and you know, McDonald's is going to stop serving breakfast pretty soon. If I don't make, I not mean, there's a big line asking questions out there. I'm out of here. And whatever happens, we, we, we settle for being hearers of the word instead of being doers, and James just says it plainly. If that's you, you're deceiving yourself. You think you're a Christian, but in fact, you're not. Harsh. Yeah, but that's what it says. All right? And that's what it is. So let's, let's get to it. Let me read, uh, let me share with you the main point. The main point of this morning's message is this. A church with living faith glorifies God by serving the world. A church with living faith glorifies God by serving the world. And that's what we're trying to do as we collaborate with My Safe Harbor and these various ministries and everything that we do in our church. We build each other up. We are disciples and we want to make disciples of other people. And in part of that process as we serve the world with God's love. And I'm excited about that. James chapter 2 verses 14 through 20 says, What is it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some would say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith with your works. Sorry. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe. And they tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And so that's the title. We don't want to be a church with dead faith, meaning faith without any works. We want to be a church with living faith. And we're going to demonstrate to the world that we have living faith, not by our words, but by our works as we meet needs around us and around the world. So, yeah, all right. I'm taking a look at the clock here. No problem. I have three points and there's 17 minutes. What is that? I, I can't do that math, but that's a good 5.4 minutes per point. So we're going to hurry here. And my three points basically fill this short sentence or phrase. Living faith. Point number one, benefits other people. Living faith benefits other people. If your faith, if you're thinking like, my faith is a personal relationship with God, and so it should be. But if it doesn't affect anyone around you, that's not the faith that James is asking or requiring of somebody who's professing to be a Christian. If you profess to have living faith, then it's a faith that benefits other people. James 2:14 that we just read says, what does it profit? What good is it? Brethren, if some of you say you have faith but you do not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled," but do not give them what things that they need for the body, what does it profit? What good is it? And the question for us is, what good is your faith to other people? And I'll pause. Think about it. How is your faith benefiting other people? Your coworkers? are they benefiting from your faith? Your family, your spouse, your children, your relatives, your teammates? Is your faith benefiting them? And if it's not, you may not have living faith. Or maybe you have really early baby living faith. That's just me trying to be real nice. But really, if your faith is not benefiting other people, it's not living faith. And as a church, we have to ask our question. As a church, how is our faith benefiting people around us? Is it just about us? You know, that stake and study Mike, sounds really selfish. (laughs) Ha ha, and I would agree. I would agree. So that's what we say. Invite people. Invite your friends so that they could join us in our stake and study. And as we do our stake and study, that's not the end of it all. The reason why we have a stake and study for men is to build each other up as iron sharpens iron so that we can go out in the world and impact our neighbors and our co-workers and our children and our spouses. Everything we do as a church should be focused in obeying the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, to go out and make disciples. As we do that, other people are benefited from our faith. All right? So as a church, my safe Harbor being here and the various ministries that we're gonna present to you is our way to say, as a church, we wanna move towards impacting people outside these four walls. And we hope that you individually will commit to doing the same. We would read Luke 10, 25 through 37 if we had lots of time, but that doesn't exist here on Sunday mornings. But I'll I'll tell you the story. It's the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? It's one individual. It gets beat up, gets jumped left as dead on the street. And two religious individuals, they see him, they walk the other way, and then this Samaritan who's supposed to be an a, a enemy or, or somebody that, that, that will be disliked by the Jews, a Samaritan comes around and takes care of him. And if you don't know the story, read it. Luke 10, 25 through 37, the story of the good Samaritan. And this is the Lord saying, what good is it for a person to be religious and hold an office and have a fancy title if when the need arises, they just look the other way. And yet here's a Samaritan who would have been looked down upon by other Jews who comes and heals and restores and pays for and tells the guy at the end, if you need anything else, just put it on my tab. How scary is that, right? Would you give your credit card to somebody say, hey, take care of this young man, and if they need anything, just put it on my card? Of course you maybe would, I don't know. But that's what he did. And that's the Lord give us an example. And he says, do, do likewise. That's what you're supposed to do. Meet other people's needs. And if you're thinking like, yeah, but I don't know where to start. Start on your knees and tell the Lord, repent, confess, and say, Lord, I'm right here. I don't know what to do, but would you show me? And I guarantee you he'll open your eyes to the needs around you. Then your job is to step in and don't listen to the enemy when he tells you, like, you can't help with that. Oh, the little bit that you have is not going to make a difference. Oh, let somebody else do it. We've talked about all that in previous weeks, so we'll continue here. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verse 14. We're talking about living faith, benefiting other people. Titus 3.14 says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. We don't want to be unfruitful, beloved. If we're plugged into Christ, we're going to bear fruit as a church and as individuals. And he says, Let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Matthew five thirteen says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You and I are the salt of your family, of your community, of your school, at your work, in your team. And if you don't preserve and flavor then what good are we for? And the answer is, we're good for nothing. Having a title, callers, calling yourselves followers of Christ but not being obedient to them, is good for nothing. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Beloved, that's what we have to be about as a church. and. As a church is not gonna happen unless we as individuals are about that. And when we individually are about that, then we as a church will be about that. Benefiting other people is what living faith does. So living faith not only benefits other people, but it also demonstrates it is demonstrated through actions. So how do you know if you have living faith? It is demonstrated through actions. Very important. You know, sometimes we say, like, well, you know, it's the intention that counts. No, not really. You know, I meant to do this. I thought about it. We've talked about this. And all of us, I think, fall into this type of attitude. I'll do it later. You know, once my kids get a little bit older, or once I graduate from here, or once I get this promotion, or once I do that, and once I... What are you talking about? It's now. It's now. It's who's in front of you. It's the need that is around you that's important right now. Don't worry about later. God is not interested in what we don't have. And I hope you're not as ridiculous as thinking like, you know, if I win the lottery, Mike, I would give my safe harbor. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what you would say. God's not interested in what you don't have. What do you have? We talked about the kid and his lunch and how he gave it up. How ridiculous he would have felt to say, like, here, feed 5,000 men with this. I don't know that he knew what he was doing, but he gave what he had. And that was more than enough because God is enough. We've talked about that. It is de- living faith is demonstrated through actions. It's not enough for us to say it thus also faith by itself James 2 17 and 18 thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead and then but someone would say I, you have faith I have works show me your faith without your works and he says and I will show you my faith by my works even the Lord when he was uh, confronted and people didn't believe him he would say alright you don't want to believe my words then believe my actions what are you going to do then actions speak louder than words then don't worry about my words. Worry about my actions. Remember the paralytic that was brought through the roof? And he said, your sins are forgiven, and people got scandalized. Who can forgive sins except God? And he says, oh, you have a problem with what I say? Let me show you what I can do to prove to you that what I say is is on, is right. And he tells the paralytic, stand up, walk. And he does. And through his actions, he would show the power of his word and his intentions and his promises, the value of his promises. So, living faith is demonstrated through action, beloved. And the question is, what action is demonstrating your faith if you do have living faith? Hebrews 11, one through 40 is often referred to as the hall of faith, right? By faith, Abel, and then offer a sacrifice. By faith, Noah, he built an ark. 120 years building that thing, that was amazing. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own child and promise Isaac. By faith, Rahab did this. By faith, someone did that. By faith, someone did, did, did something or the other, beloved. Our faith has to do something. And if you're thinking, you're paralyzed by by fear or uncertainty or doubt, just do something. Start there. Oh, but I'm not sure if this is the one thing that God wants me to do. Well, don't worry about it. Just do it, and then you'll find out. Where do I serve at church? I think I want to be the executive. Start by stacking chairs, and God's going to guide you. I promise you that. That might sound funny. That might seem like I'm I'm belittling or, or being cavalier about this. I'm not. Start stacking chairs, and I promise you, do it with the right attitude, and God will lead you wherever He wants you. And it may be stacking chairs, and we need chair stackers. But if your heart is right, I assure you, He's going to guide you to things that maybe you never even thought possible God could do through you. Romans 5.8, living faith is demonstrated through actions. Uh, I want to use this verse, one, because it's one of my favorite verses, and two, just talks about how God demonstrates His love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The point here is that God didn't just say, I love you, and then left us hanging. He says, I love you, and I'm gonna demonstrate it to you by giving up my son for you, even while you're a sinner and you don't deserve it. Actions speak louder than words. So, living faith. Is uh, benefits other people. It's demonstrated through actions. And point number three is that living faith is the evidence of our salvation, and thus we should be very concerned about being able to see living faith in our lives. I remember being a young person. Uh, let's see, when I started paying attention at church, uh, let's say twelve, definitely thirteen-ish, and my pastor would say. How do you know you're saved? There. how do I know I'm saved? And man, I would just sit up and say like, I want to know what he has to say about his certainty of salvation. Why here, we're saying that living faith is the evidence of our salvation. James 2, 19 and 20 says, you believe there is one God, you do well, that's a good thing. But even demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Meaning, if all you have is a profession of faith with nothing to back it up in your life, James says, your faith is futile, worthless, dead. And it's not the faith that is required for salvation. Now, the weird thing is that the Lord says you must be born again. He doesn't say you need to make yourself be born again or you need to try really hard to conjure up fruit in your life. And I've said this before, I have a really cool uh, apple tree in my backyard. It's old. When you go and you see it, when it doesn't have any leaves on it, the trunk, I don't know how old it is, but you're thinking like that tree is dead. But we water it sometimes. And boom, this year it must have like a thousand apples on that thing and it's a small tree. So every morning, I would go to the backyard, and I would hear some weird grunting noises, and and it was my tree just like, uh, trying to, I'm kidding, of course, no noises. (laughs) The tree would just do what it's supposed to do, and the fruit just comes out naturally. And if we have living faith, if we have repented of our sins, if we've heard the message, and we've surrendered to Christ, and accepted His gift of salvation, beloved, we are made new creations. We are justified by faith apart from works. But that faith that saves is a, is a faith that shows works. is evidenced by. And so it is the evidence of our salvation. Acts 26.20 But declare first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works benefiting or befitting, befitting repentance. Worthy of repentance. That will be evidence of true repentance having occurred. Matthew seven twenty one. not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And obviously, it's not that we earn our way to heaven or we, we do enough things to make it to heaven, but he's saying that somebody who is born again, somebody who is saved, will do the will of God because he's a new creation with a new nature and a new desire to please God and live for his glory. Living faith, beloved, is what this church needs to be about. And it's going to be about living faith when all of us commit to being about having that living faith. And the living faith, again, is one that benefits others. And and how God has equipped you, the way that God has made you, the experiences that you've gone through, good, bad, and ugly, God can take all of that so that he can impact the world around you the way he wants to use you to impact the world so we don't have to compare ourselves. Our lives doesn't have to look like his life and your life. My life and my impact on people around me is going to look different. And we get to collaborate and we get to encourage one another. But you need to be concerned about what God has for you and I can't be excited for you, but I am excited about our church. I'm excited to, to see what God is doing in me and through me. And, and I see what God is doing in you and through you. I had the greatest time last night. And no, I wasn't at the Laker game because it's not even season right now. I was right here setting up church with six other people for about an hour. We had the coolest time. I'm serious. I'm not just saying that. You know, a couple of people that had never been here setting up, they're thinking like, man, all right. That, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and seeing them enjoy themselves serving on a Saturday night for you, that doesn't just happen. I believe that's the Holy Spirit in us, moving us, giving us a desire to serve one another and to then come on Sunday morning and, and have that satisfaction of saying, like, I was part of setting this up so that this service can take place. I love that. Seeing God working in all of you is something that encourages me. I'm grateful to the Lord seeing your living faith and seeing a living faith in our church. And as we begin this collaboration, starting with My Safe Harbor and looking forward with many other ministries, I'm excited and I hope you are too. We want to be a church that impacts this world with God's love. Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this time. Thank you for your word we pray for forgiveness for our sins and trespasses, Father, the times that we've ignored your will or the opportunities to serve and meet urgent needs around us. We have excuses. We have reasons why we shouldn't or couldn't or just don't want to. We ask for forgiveness for that, and we ask that you would give us a new resolve to honor you and glorify you by serving the world around us, by meeting urgent needs, and by collaborating with people and organizations like My Safe Harbor. We thank you. We ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.